As leadership guru John Maxwell often says, everything rises or falls with leadership. It's true in the corporate world, it's true in the church, and as I mentioned a few weeks ago in our sermon on deacons, I'll often ask in membership class with people joining Southside, hey, tell me some ways you've seen churches go astray. And I'll say, don't name names, I don't want to hear of the names of the church, the names of the pastor, but tell me some ways, generally speaking, and nine out of ten times it comes down to the issue of church leadership. And there are two key leadership issues in which I think Christians should stake everything when it comes to local churches that sadly most Christians don't even think about. And those two are one, a plurality of spiritually qualified elders. And two, expositional preaching. And by that, we just mean that the point of the sermon will be the point of the passage. It just means that we've got an open Bible and this thing, this book is setting the agenda for the morning which is why we're in 1 Peter. We've been in 1 Peter now for six months, and this morning we come to chapter 5, where Peter's not going to tackle expositional preaching, but he is going to tackle the issue of elders. So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're just going to look at the first four verses this morning. 1 Peter 5, 1 to 4. To the elders among you I appeal as a fellow elder... And a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. This is the word of the Lord. And I want us to consider three things. The office of elder. Second, the call of elders. And third, the hope of elders. So first, the office of elder there in first one. Look at it again. He addresses the elders. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. I mentioned a few weeks ago in that sermon on deacons, it was from Acts chapter 6. If you want to go back and see it, I mentioned that church leadership is also known as polity. Polity is a lot like plumbing, right? If you're going to build some nice fancy house, it can, can have all the bells and whistles. But if you don't have the proper plumbing, things are going to go astray. So we may not be excited about talking about polity or church leadership, but it is essential. And God wants us to. First Peter includes it here in chapter 5 for our good. Later the day after that sermon, one of our elders, Russell Eckert, texted me and said, it's humble to know that I'm a sewer pipe. <laughs> I said, yeah, sometimes it feels that way, but it is essential. And so the New Testament model for leadership is to be led by a plurality of male elders and served by deacons. It's really simple and it's really clear. And I don't have time here this morning to make a case on why we believe that scripture teaches that only men can serve in the office of elder, but the short of it is God says so. It is clear in his word. Women are gifted in all kinds of ways and can serve in every other ministry, in all kinds of ministries. It's not an issue of gifting. It's not an issue of being inferior. It's not an issue of men, males being superior. It's just the way God has structured things. He's made men and women equal in essence, equal in dignity. We're both created in the image of God, but God has assigned men and women different complementary roles that we are to serve in, in the house and in the church. And so that's where we're focusing this morning. And this issue really is becoming a watershed issue. 
in our day. It's one of the cultural hot-button issues. Every generation has them. Gender is one of ours. And so this issue of whether or not only males can serve in the office of elder or pastor is becoming a watershed issue. You know that image, right? Where there's this rivers coming and then there's this body of land that makes the water go in one of two ways. And so this issue of whether or not a, a female can be an elder or pastor is a watershed issue where you have many that are going the way of culture and they're going to accommodate to culture. Others are going to stick to the clear, even though sometimes hard, teaching of Scripture. And I just want you to know at Southside, we are going to shape our life according to God's Word, not to what would fit our culture. He who marries the spirit of the age will soon find himself a widower, as someone has said. So we're not going to stick to what the culture says. We're going to stick to what God's Word says because God's Word is eternal, right? We saw that in chapter 1. If you want to flip over, look at chapter 1, verse 24. He says, all people are like grass and all their glories like the flowers of the field. The grass will wither and the flower will fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And so this current cultural fad that we're in will fade, but the word will not. And so we're going to stake everything on God's word. If you have a problem with that, I'd love to talk more with you. You can talk with our elders. I don't have time, but I would just encourage you to read 1 Timothy 2 or 1 Timothy 3 or Titus 1 or 1 Corinthians 14 to see where it is clearly only men that will serve as elders. And Southside is an elder-led church. And we believe it is vitally important. If you're here and you're looking for a church, let me just submit, don't compromise on these two issues. Expositional preaching and elder leadership, plural elder leadership. And if that's new to you, you'll know a little bit more what I mean in about 30 minutes. This is just the biblical model. Everywhere, I'm not going to look at everything, but I do want you to see a couple verses. As the church is getting started in the book of Acts, let me read Acts chapter 14. They preached the gospel in that city when a large number of disciples, then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Verse 23, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. The church is growing. They go to a new city. What's the first thing they do? They appoint elders, plural. Or in Titus chapter one, we see this verse five. The reason I left you, Titus, Paul says in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. It is the same all over the New Testament is led by elders and a plurality of elders. And for some reason, if you've got a Baptist background at all, Baptist churches have gone astray and we've neglected the Bible's clear teaching on this. I don't really know why. I ought to study the history of it. I am encouraged that there is a resurgence in my generation of pastors who believe what the Bible teaches about how churches ought to be led, that by plurality of male elders who are spiritually qualified. It hadn't always been that way, though. The first president of the Southern Baptist Convention, William B. Johnson, actually wrote a book and advocated a church being led by plurality of elders. So really, we started that way, and for some reason, we've gone astray and are led in various ways. I remember teaching as a pastor of a church that didn't have elders, and I was teaching on elders, and an elderly lady came up and said, we're not going to do that at this church. That's Presbyterian. We're Baptists. I was like, ma'am, with all due respect, I'm in the book of Acts here. <laughs> so modern Baptist churches have, have kind of gone away from this model for some reason, but I'm encouraged that many are on the way back. Baptist churches have often 
tended to err in one of three ways. One of the ways is they're often led by deacons. But as we saw a few weeks ago, deacons aren't to lead. Deacons are to serve. We saw that in Acts 6. We see that in 1 Timothy 3. Scripture is very clear. It is to be led by elders, served by deacons. And then within that model, some of you probably experienced this, churches can be led by deacons who are not spiritually qualified to be leading churches. Sometimes they don't even know the Lord. Secondly, sometimes Baptist churches are led by committees, but you will find committees nowhere in Scripture. Committees are where minutes are kept and hours are lost. (laughs) Committees are where... Their favorite sporting event is the Daytona 500 because they're used to just going in circles without ever getting anywhere. And committees, again, are often comprised of anyone that's willing, anyone that's available, regardless of their spiritual maturity or their spiritual qualifications. And when we have people leading the church that are not spiritually qualified to do so, disaster is going to happen. The third way that Baptist churches are often led are led by one man, the senior pastor. And to give one man sole authority is unbiblical, but also just unwise, isn't it? Often he'll be crushed under the responsibility. Everything will fall on his lap. He'll bear the burdens of the entire church by himself. And he'll be expected to be at everything, to make all the hospital visits, to be on call 24-7, working 50 to 70 hours a week, usually underpaid with unrealistic expectations. He must be warm-hearted. He must be thick-skinned. He must be up on current events. He must be able to talk with a 5-year-old as well as an 85-year-old. He must know the Bible in the original languages, gifted in leadership and management. Good at evangelism, has an awesome family, dynamic communicator, familiar with every idea from creation science to end time charts. His children must be sinless. His wife must play the piano. (laughs) I'll stop there. But seriously, the statistics for pastoral burnout are depressing and discouraging. Just Google it. Just Google pastoral burnout. It is actually sad and discouraging. Because it's very difficult when you have a team, much less when it all lands on one person. Remember Alicia and I several years ago seeing a Forbes article that had top 10 most difficult jobs. And at the time I was pastoring and Alicia was staying at home and those two were in the top 10. (laughs) So we just stopped and prayed. (laughs) And sometimes sheep can bite their shepherds, constantly criticizing. I remember being almost moved to tears. It was during a particularly rough week. I was reading a book on pastoral ministry, and the person described ministry as death by a thousand paper cuts. Sheep can be harsh. They can be demanding. They can be critical. They can wear down their shepherds. I want to show you a video to show you what I mean. That dude is just trying to save their lives. But not only if it's the sole pastor do you risk someone being overburdened with all the responsibility. On the other end, you have one person with sole authority, he'll be tempted to abuse it and have this attitude of my way or the highway. I just actually, Lisa and I were just this morning watching a video clip of a sermon, and he told the body, literally, it was sort of a joke, sort of what? And he said, quote, shut up and do what you're told, end quote. Touch not the Lord's anointed And that is no way to lead a church. As Lord Acton said years ago, absolute power corrupts absolutely. The Lord intends for his church to be led by a plurality of leaders, and they call them elders. It's biblical, and it is just common sense, or at least it should be. Let me give you seven benefits of a 
plural elder leadership in a church. Number one, it's biblical. Really, we could stop there because that's all that matters, but there are many more benefits. Number two, it balances pastoral weakness. When you have a team of pastors, it balances the weakness of the lead pastor. It diffuses congregational criticism and doesn't go to one person but to a group of men. It adds pastoral wisdom around the table. It enables corrective discipline. If a lead pastor, if another elder goes astray, it enables discipline to occur. The burden of ministry is shared. And it makes leadership more rooted and permanent and allows for a more mature continuity, even if the lead pastor leaves, like we've seen here at Southside. So God is clear in his word. He desires his church to be led by spiritually qualified elders and served by deacons, which is why Peter addresses the elders here in this passage. And in the New Testament, elder, overseer, and pastor refer to the same office. Overseer is often translated bishop, maybe in the King James. And so a bishop is a pastor is an elder. It's all the same office. And so you probably know, some of you have had backgrounds, if a bishop is just an elder as a pastor, there's all sorts of big traditions that are way off on how a church ought to be structured and led because a bishop is just a pastor as an elder. And so in light of that, I want to change my job title from pastor to bishop. Just bishop B, if you're good with that. The noun elder occurs 17 times. The noun overseer or bishop only occurs four times. And did you know that the noun pastor actually only occurs one time in the whole New Testament? It's in Ephesians 4. And notice Peter says, I'm just a fellow elder. He's not some sort of proto-pope or anything like that. He's just a fellow elder who witnessed Christ's sufferings and is a partaker in the glory that will be revealed. So that's the office of elder. Now, what's the call of elders? Look there at verse 2 of 1 Peter 5. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Be shepherds. The word there is actually the exact same one for pastor. Be pastors. It's a verb. Be pastors of God's flock. Elders are called to pastor God's flock. I just mentioned there's no distinction between elder and pastor, and this is actually really important to get. Elders are not like some board of trustees for a business. It's not some executive board making decisions in some smoke-filled room. Elders are pastors of the church. We see this clearly from this verse. Elders are to pastor, but we see it in other places. I want you to see. I want you to get this. Titus chapter 1, which is qualifications for elders. Titus 1.5 says this, The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient, since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless. So Paul there and Titus can say elders and then just switch. It's interchangeable to overseer because an elder is an overseer is a pastor it's the same office Paul wrote this to Titus but he wrote to Timothy in first Timothy 3 and lays out basically the exact same qualifications as he did in Titus but there he says this here's a trustworthy saying whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task and then he lays out the qualifications because an elder is the same as an overseer also translated bishop Then we see in Acts chapter 20, 
Paul's talking to the Ephesian elders, and here's what he says in Acts chapter 20, verse 17. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church, and this is given down to chapter 20, verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, be shepherds or pastors of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. So elders are called to pastor and oversee. You tracking with me? Elders are overseers, are pastors. So elders are called to pastor. What does that mean? To pastor the flock. Obviously to pastor them, one must know them. Shepherds must smell like sheep. Our elders, one of the qualifications for elders is to be hospitable. And so opening their homes and having you to lunch and for coffee, getting to know you, being with you, praying for you, directing you. Shepherds direct sheep. Shepherds protect sheep from wolves and other threats. Shepherds lead. They provide for the flock. Peter knew this really well, right? Remember the end of John? Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, of course I do. And you remember what Jesus says three times? Feed my sheep. Why do you think the Lord uses the imagery of sheep to refer to his people? You ever thought about it? Probably because sheep are defenseless and dumb. (laughs) And I'm a sheep before I'm a shepherd. This is an us thing. We sheep are defenseless and dumb and we are prone to wander. Sheep are born and from the day they're born, they're on a mission to end their lives. I'm not sure why shepherds are so essential. Isaiah says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. So elders are to shepherd. They are to pastor the flock. And notice it says the flock of God. They're to pastor God's flock. This isn't our church. This is not my church. This flock is God's flock. I just read from Acts 20, and there it said that elders are to shepherd the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. The church is the Lord's. It's the bride of Christ. And elders... Elders here this morning, this is weighty. The church is his flock entrusted to our care. Brother elders, I know you take this seriously, but let the spirit through Peter exhort you afresh to shepherd and care for this flock that belongs to God that he's put in your care. We will be held accountable. Hebrews 13 is a verse that sounds strange to modern ears, but every Christian ought to be familiar with it. It says this, have confidence in your leaders. That's the NIV. It actually softens it. Most translations say obey. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Submit to their authority because they will give an account of how they lead the church. So elders will give an account to those who are called, those were called to shepherd, which is one of the reasons why we here at Southside take church membership so seriously. Because as elders, we need to know who we're responsible for. Notice Peter says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. The shepherd, shepherd the flock of God that's under your care. And so as elders, we're not responsible for anyone who comes into this room. We are responsible. We will give an account to those who've joined with us and said, we agree with your doctrine. We agree with your vision. We are joining in terms of formal membership that way we can then say, okay, 
we are accountable for you. If you're here and you're not a member, we care for you and we're thrilled that you're here. But you need to know that we will pray for and care for and minister to and ultimately give account for the members of this church in a unique way. It's a weighty calling. Look again there at these verses, 5-2. Be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So elders are to shepherd, they are to care, and they're to watch over, which actually is the word for overseer. It's to exercise oversight because elders, our pastors, are overseers. They lead, they direct, they watch over the flock. They lead the church. As we just saw there in Hebrews 13, church members are called to obey them, to have confidence in them, to submit to them. And this is hard to hear in our anti-authority age. But Peter has said again and again, part of what it means to follow Jesus is to submit to authority. And God has given elders authority. It's a limited authority, but it is authority. 1 Timothy 5.17 puts it this way. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Again, some of the older translations say, let the elders who rule well. So elders oversee and they lead as well as pastor. But how? How do they do this? How do they exercise oversight? Well, Peter lists three ways they're not to shepherd. Number one, not from duty. Number two, not from greed. And number three, not abusing power. First, he says, not from duty. Shepherd the flock and watch over them, not because you must, but because you're willing as God wants you to be. With willingness, not obligation, not duty. An elder must desire it, must have a passion for it. I know that Southside, if you've been here a little while, we've experienced a lot of transition over the last couple of years. But one of the ways that, t- that Tim and Jamie have served us so well is by not remaining in positions for which they had lost passion for. Tim told us he lost passion five years ago for college. Tim, I mean, Jamie, three years ago. And so when a person doesn't have passion for the ministry which they are over, no one really wins. A pastor must be passionate, willingly serving, not out of duty, not to collect a paycheck, not for accolades, not for a title. The moment an elder begins to serve out of duty is the moment they should step down, at least until his passion for this demanding ministry returns. And so not from duty. Second, he says, not from greed. Shepherd the flock and watch over them, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. This warning is all over the New Testament when it comes to leadership. This warning against greed. And today, not at Southside, praise the Lord, but many churches have the attitude, you know what? Lord, you keep him humble, we'll keep him poor. But churches should compensate at least one of the elders. We see that in 1 Timothy 5 again. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For Scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain. We could also go to 1 Corinthians 9, Galatians 6. It is good and right for elders or at least some to be set aside. But the warning here is watch your heart. Watch out for greed. 1 Timothy 3.3, again, in the qualifications for overseers, an overseer must not be a lover of money. Later in the same letter, Paul warns Timothy, false teachers, there are some who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. 
Titus chapter 1, verse 7 and 11 say the exact same thing that Peter does here. Watch out that you do not pursue dishonest gain. So you serve not out of a greedy heart, but of willing to serve. I mentioned last week this prosperity gospel where people teach that if you just have faith, you'll be healthy and wealthy and you should never have any suffering. And often they are doing the exact opposite of this verse pursuing dishonest gain at the expense of the people of God. Again, as elders, we would encourage you, don't watch that trash. There is very little on TBN that we would recommend. Just a few, I think it was a few months ago, Jesse Duplantis said that he wanted a $54 million private jet to fly around and preach the gospel. He said, it's not about possessions, it's about priorities, but I'm believing God for a Falcon 7X or something like that. A few years before that, Creflo Dollar same thing, a $65 million. These people disqualified themselves from serving as pastors a long time ago. They are pursuing dishonest gain. Peter says, don't do that. Rather, be eager to serve. Eager. Not lazy. The church in America has way too many lazy and entitled pastors. This call is for men who are driven. And it's got to be because this is hard work. Long meetings, extended prayer, care, burden-bearing. And for non-staff elders, this is all on top of a normal 40-hour job. Eager to serve in this way. Not out of obligation. Third thing, and not out of greed. Third, not to abuse power. Shepherd the flock, watch over them, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. This is leadership. This is not dictatorship. Being examples. I think... Peter's actually alluding to Mark chapter 10 when he says elders are not to lord it over. This is exactly what Jesus said in the book of Mark chapter 10 verse 42. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, in other words, pagans, not us, they lord it, same language. They lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servants. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Elders are called to be like Jesus. We're not called to lord it over anybody. We're called to be examples to the flock. We lead through serving. This is a call to servant leadership. Because Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. And there tends to be pendulum swings in the church. It's kind of dependent on the personality of the leaders. There's some that are anti-authority. Maybe some of you remember the emerging church a few years ago that popped up and kind of fizzled out. And they were anti-leaders. They were anti-authority. Probably fizzled out because there were no leaders. Then on the other hand, though, and maybe some of you experienced this, there's pastors that can become authoritarian, like I just mentioned, and abuse power and try to lord it over people. But no, we're called to lead for the good of the flock. Lead by serving, being examples. Which is why when you read all these qualifications for elders, Titus 1, 1 Timothy 3, should be struck by the fact that it has nothing to do with competency. It has everything to do with character. God isn't concerned with dynamic personalities and brilliant thinkers and engaging communicators and catalytic leaders. He's concerned about holiness. He's concerned about men that walk with God. Examples. And so, brother elders, are you an example to the flock? 
Any man should be able to look to an elder and see what it means to walk with the Lord, to see what a godly man is. We should be able to say to new believers, you want to see what a godly man looks like? How he values the local church, how he lives generously, how he cares for his family, how he disciples others. We should be able to point to an elder and their wives and say, go, follow them as they follow Christ. So that's the call of elders. Pastor the flock, exercise over the oversight over the flock. Now the hope of elders. There in verse 4. 1 Peter 5, verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. When the chief shepherd appears, Jesus is our chief shepherd. He said that back in chapter 2. Look at chapter 2, verse 25. You were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Jesus is the chief shepherd. Every other elder is just an under shepherd. Again, we're sheep before we are shepherds. Jesus is the head of the church. The church is under the authority of the elders, but we see here it is a limited and derived authority. And you are to follow us as we follow Christ. But the moment you see elders betraying the word of God, you head for the hills and find a church that has elders you can follow. Jesus is the overseer of the overseers. He's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And the good shepherd will honor those who live for him, not for themselves. So elders are to be forward-looking. When our chief shepherd appears, we will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. This is referring to our inheritance. That will never fade. He mentioned that in chapter 1. Flip back a few pages and look at verse 4. We've been born again into an inheritance that can never perish. Never spoil, never fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So we're forward looking. The vision of the future should shape the way we elder in the present. Remember like Marty goes to the future so he can come to the present and live in a whole new way. We are to be future-focused and heavenly-minded. Our aim is not to please people. Our aim is to please our chief shepherd. And so we should shepherd and oversee God's flock so we'll be rewarded when the Lord returns with a reward that will not fade. This crown, his language, was often used of athletes, and it was often a crown of leaves. So the winner would get the crown of leaves. But unlike this, our reward is sure because it's not based upon our performance, but upon the grace of Jesus. And it's unfading like those leaves. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And remember the context of 1 Peter. We have a church under distress, a church that is beginning to be persecuted. And Peter knows more is coming. The fiery ordeal is coming. And he's got a short letter. This is only five chapters. And he includes in his short letter instructions about elders. This should be instructive for us. Church is increasing, increasingly experiencing persecution. And he includes comments to elders because churches will not flourish without godly leadership. Good homes must have good plumbing. When the fiery ordeal comes, biblical church leadership is vital. And just thinking about us here, y'all did amazing for the two years without a staff elder, without a staff lead pastor. I think for two main reasons. Number one, maybe three. Number one, the strength of the community. You're a family and so you stuck together. Number two, your adherence to the word of God. 
And number three, having a plurality of spiritually qualified elders in place helped see us through that transition time. That's why Peter includes it here. Persecution's coming. Most of us probably wouldn't have a section on church leadership, but God knows better than we do. It is vitally important. The church is to be led by a plurality of elders who are called to shepherd, God, shepherd God's flock in order to receive the unfading crown of glory.